Good afternoon, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another week of Midweek Manna. We are previewing the sermon before it happens, the scripture so that you have it, uh, offering some, uh, some thoughts, some commentary on the word as you are thinking and praying as I am thinking and praying towards Sunday and toward proclaiming the word. So let me open up with a word of prayer, please, and then we will, we will get right into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, we pray the Holy Spirit, Lord, upon our reading, upon our praying, upon our <clears throat> fellowship and worship, Lord, as we come, Lord, uh, to holy ground, Lord, to this sacred space called uh, the church. Oh God, I, I pray, Lord, that as the uh, scripture is offered, Lord, that it might be bread for life, Lord, for those who receive it. Bless it, Lord, and bless, Lord, this heart and these lips as it is proclaimed. We ask this always in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen. So what I want to uh, invite you to do, church, is to read, uh, to uh, really pray yourself uh, through Psalm 19, the, the entire Psalm 19. But what I'm going to do is highlight uh, several passages in this Psalm uh, to give some reflection uh, style thoughts on it. So uh, the entire Psalm of 19, Psalm 19. But what I'm going to do is read verses 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. So 7 through 11, I'm going to read for our time together. And this is about the, the perfect revelation of God. Have you, have you thought much about how God re reveals God's self? Okay, Throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, God is doing that. Whether God is on a mountaintop, whether God is in the presence of a burning bush that is on fire, but it's not being consumed. God is in the prophets. Uh, God, uh, as we know it most fully and believe, in his son, the person of Jesus Christ. So revelation, revelation is important. How God is revealing God's self. So li listen, listen uh, now to verse 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. And church, this is always the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. So just a, a couple of things about verses 7 through 11 that, that struck me and, and just kind of unpacking this. So uh, the, the word here makes mention, uh, firstly, about, about the law. And let me just clarify that. When, when there is mention of, of the law, we're talking about the Mosaic law. Uh, we're, we're also uh, mentioning or, or, or another word that uh, comes to mind is the Torah. So, so we're, we're talking about that very law that uh, kept, it kept, the, kept the people right. It kept them uh, certainly close to God, but ultimately you needed Jesus Christ, right, to forgive all of that sin uh, for good. So the law, uh, the the Mosaic Torah, those first five books of the, of the Word there. Uh, so that law, that Torah, then think of it as instruction, okay? It's something that is given to you, that is written down and used then to clarify. It's used to teach. It's used uh, to instruct or, in fact, direct, right, an individual, but also a people uh, as well. A couple of other things. Uh, the passages here from 7 through 9, okay, uh, about the law, about the testimony, the statutes, I found this interesting. It presents six words for the law of God. Did, did, you, did you catch it? And, and I'll read over it here. Beginning with verse 7, it speaks of the law of the Lord. It speaks of the testimony of the Lord. It speaks of the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord. Okay, uh, let, let me continue here. Six evaluations then of the law are this. It is perfect. It is sure. It is right. It is pure. It is clean. And it is true. There are also then six results because they are of these characteristics. Now watch this. These six characteristics are this. It converts the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart, enlightening the eyes, enduring forever, and righteous altogether. Now, I mentioned that, okay? And I want to highlight that for you to hear me say this, and this is absolutely key. So the value of Scripture, pay very close attention to what I'm going to say, the value of of Scripture cannot be compared to anything else, not even the value or the weight of gold. Let me say that one more time, because that's the takeaway here. Nothing else on God's green earth can be compared to the valuable nature that the Word of God is, not even the weight and the value of gold. And here's why. Because it provides for us from cover to cover, this is key, okay, wisdom, joy, 
and most importantly, eternal life. Not anything else, not anything else, okay, can point us, move us, instruct us, convict us to those things. Joy, wisdom, and above all, eternal life. So, Sunday is going to be part two of the revival of the Bible. So, I, I, I outlined very, very briefly valuable points, okay? That is the Word of God. That is the instruction of the Word of God. But now let me speak about the revival part, okay? Revival comes not from the church. Revival comes not from the preacher. Revival must always come from God and God alone first. Yes, the preacher is an instrument. The church is an instrument. The church is the body of ambassadors that open up their hearts and their spirits to revival. But who ultimately is the author of revival? Well, it's not the preacher preaching the sermon, okay? It's not necessarily the music leader. They are very valuable parts. They are uh, integral um, additions to revival, but it comes, revival does, from God and God alone. Now, now let, me, let me end with this because this is, this is absolutely key, just in terms of who needs revival, who needs biblical revival. And, and, I, and I wrote this down, and I want to say it multiple times here, but I think this is absolutely key, okay? Revival comes to the person who is weak and weary and who admits that they have lost their way, okay? Too often, we live in a world where we put on a good front, we put on a good show, we can fake our way through the day. You hear me, okay? Many people... Many people around the world are sitting in those pews, okay, faking their way through the day. Let, 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 me, let me make this correlation. I, I, I've always wondered why it was that the people that Jesus healed knew that Jesus could heal them. They knew, they understood that Jesus was the Son of God, okay? He could offer them salvation. He could uh, offer them healing. Here's, here's what I think, and it, and it relates here. They knew that they needed to be saved. They knew that they needed to be healed. They were broken. They were sinful, and they knew that Jesus could bring them that gift from heaven above. Same thing relates here. Who can, um, who can benefit from revival that comes from God? Well, it comes to the person who is weak 
and weary and who admits, who confesses, who literally is so broken that they are on their knees saying, Lord, I am broken. I need you. I am completely lost. Show me the way. So we ultimately, church, have to approach anything that is spiritual, anything of eternal value with a broken and contrite spirit. Okay? Don't fake your way through it. Okay? Don't put up the front. Don't put up the mask. Look, God already knows who you are. God knows what you're wrestling with. God knows your hurt, your pain. God knows your trauma, okay? Come at revival. Come at a biblical revival. Come at any kind of church revival with a broken and contrite spirit and say, Lord, let me move into this, Lord, knowing that I need to be healed, knowing that I need to be more one with you now more than ever. That's how revival, that's how a biblical revival can literally take a broken, hurting, dying church and revive it and make it whole. That's how any believer who has lost their way, who is sin sick, can in fact let the Word of God speak to them and move them toward a direction that is holy and life-giving and healing and toward Jesus. Come at it, weak and weary. Admit that. Know that. Know that you've lost your way. Know that you don't have to be anything more than who you are in the very presence of God. And that is the first step dear church, that can lead us toward a path of righteousness and healing. Revival. Praise God. Let me offer a word of uh, prayer for us, please. I'll, uh, I'll mention other scriptures in how biblical revival can work on us and in us physically, emotionally, and spiritually as well. That's kind of the direction that I want to go in this second part of a revival uh, in, in the Word of God, a revival of the Bible. So on that note, let me pray for us, please. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we're very thankful, Lord, for this, your Word. Lord, uh, as it is often mentioned, Lord, in Scripture, your Word is a double-edged sword. Lord, we, we need your word, Lord, for uh, guidance. We need your word, Lord, for joy. We need your word as our constant companion, Lord, as we live life, as we do uh, battle with the dark spiritual forces, Lord, that even the demonic forces of this world, and uh, certainly doing battle with the devil himself. Lord, we cast Lord, the enemy out, and we pray, Jesus, and uh, the Spirit, your Spirit, Lord, upon us, Lord. Move us in that direction, Lord, where we have in our own lives, in our own churches, in our own spirits, Lord, a revival of your word, of the Bible. Praise be to your name. Amen.
Church, have a wonderful day, and God bless you. Take care.